0: I'm Mandy Yarkich from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Good morning and welcome to Creative Matters. Thank you very much for joining me. Today I'm speaking with Kel Sunshine, also known as Kelly Spencer. Kelly is a lettering artist, muralist and illustrator from Gisborne, New Zealand, with a big love for Mother Earth – her creative style is characterised by bright and retro-fresh colour palettes and curvaceous forms, meticulously handcrafted lettering and illustrative elements of flora and fauna. Kell says, I consider it a privilege to be able to use my creativity to amplify the voice of Mother Earth, with my personal and client work often serving as a platform to promote love and respect for our natural environment. Kelly does not engage in conversation before consuming coffee in the mornings, but is henceforth a social creature. Things that make her happy include her pup, sunshine, seedlings, the sound of tropical rain, scuba diving, and travel. Kelly shares her journey from fashion design through to graphic design, illustration, and large-scale mural making some of the collaborations and inspiring projects she's been involved in, and her passion for typography, sunshine, and all things retro. You're going to love listening to her story. I certainly enjoyed meeting Kel, and uh, yeah, such a ray of sunshine. You can see images of her work on our blog, on creativematters.co.nz, and on her website, kellyspencer.co.nz. Calling Kel Sunshine in Gisborne. Good morning,
1: Kelly. Good morning, Mandy.
0: It's lovely to see you in sunny Gisborne <laughs> yes. with the sun with the sun on your gorgeous hair, looking Aww. radiant. Yeah,
1: full sunshine effect.
0: Yeah, that's appropriate, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. So, uh, welcome to Creative Matters.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. And it's really nice that um, that you can be a guest. And I've been looking into your amazing work and can't wait to hear your story. So um, let's start from the beginning, Kelly. Where were you born and were you doing amazing creative things when you were little?
1: I was born in Gisborne on the east coast of New Zealand. Um, a dog has just arrived as we're starting, just to make some noise. So
0: <laughs> Good to um, see another dog on the podcast.
1: Outside. <laughs> outside.
0: I'm sure Mazzy will make an appearance at some point also. About her. She's
1: got impeccable timing. Um, <laughs> I was born in Gisborne on the East Coast and I grew up here. I lived here until I was 17, um, like most um gizzy kids we were all itching to leave by the time we were teenagers because in the 90s or early 2000s there wasn't a hell of a lot to do for a young person but yeah I grew up here um I now live back in gizzy I moved back a year ago I we lived on an orchard when I for most of my childhood we started off in town and then moved out to an orchard when I was seven um which I don't know if I was grateful enough for it at the time, but <laughs> it was definitely a cool place to grow up with lots of space and animals and fruit trees and yeah, clean air, rainwater drinks. Yeah, lucky to grow up out there.
0: Mm, sounds idyllic. Mm. Yeah, and at that point, were you um you know one of those sort of makey children?
1: Totally. Yeah, I was. I was. My memory of being a kid is that I was always drawing or making things like I did a lot of these trajectories that that came right through until I was in my 20s where I was always either, I was drawing houses a lot (laughs) and I don't know if that's something that I caught from my mum because she was always dreaming up these, you know, potential future homes. Um, But I would draw these elaborate like, designs for these cool houses and try and get my little brother involved and I I think he probably joined in to a certain point because he was younger but eventually he was bigger and he didn't care anymore (laughs) (laughs) um and I would um also draw a lot of fashion girls I would draw these because I danced when I was little and I was also apparently really into clothes which comes out later and I would draw these. These groups, these dance groups, and design all of their costumes for them. I <laughs> said cool. all A4 pages of like cool costumes on these girls doing different dance poses. Um, and that I remember those as being my two main outlets of of actual drawing. Like I wasn't, and the lettering. And mm. then um, everyone from that era will remember the lettering book
0: yes absolutely
1: those. yeah so that and it had all these different styles of typography in it and I'd try and copy that and trace over some of them because onto like baking paper and yeah I think I was like I'd kind of I was always making title pages at school. Mm. <laughs> I, would I do- remember those. I love yes. those too.
0: That was probably my favorite part of school, actually, the title pages.
1: <laughs> yeah, too. Me too. Yeah. And there were some projects where the title page was all I actually finished. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the teachers being like, this is beautiful, but uh, we actually needed some content within this hour as well. didn't. <laughs> content at the time but
0: oh that's so funny
1: I remember my um like school friends asking me to do their title pages for them and do all the titles up at the headers at the top of the
0: page mm. and that was that was the beginning of a of a fascination for lettering I suppose
1: totally and obviously I had no idea until much much later what was going on but it's always really cool to look back on things from when you're super little and go, oh. mm. Even that made sense. How amazing.
0: Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? How much, you know, stuff from your childhood sort of ends up informing your yeah. practice. Yeah.
1: yeah. We had to do a entire a project about Canada. Uh, I don't know, it was probably about eight or something at the time. And I remember handing in my project and I, it was beautiful. It had a great cover and a contents page. And then each of these different pages about different animals that lived in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I had done so well, like I was so proud of it. And when we got it back, my teacher was like, um, the project was actually supposed to be about all of Canada, like not just what kind of animals live there.
0: <laughs> oh, please. But I, I'm sure it was beautiful. Your project looked amazing. <laughs> Oh, I'm just gonna pause. We've got a barking dog issue again, just one moment. Okay, okay so the dog issue has been resolved. carrying on. I'm um, just talking about your creative family, Kelly.
1: I was a bit of an anomaly in the family, like I remember I had these two great aunties and they lived here in gizzy, but they died when I was quite young. one was a writer and one was an artist, and they lived together in their um old age and this beautiful house with this big garden and I've always been really gutted that I wasn't that they weren't alive when I was older so that I could have like actually connected to that part of the family Mm, yeah what a shame yeah understand quite a bit a bit more um but other than that not not a hugely creative family but I was one of those lucky kids that had um encouraging parents like I never had that pressure like well this art thing you know where's that gonna take you obviously they were practical and they're like are you making money I'm like yes dad I'm making money um but they weren't like don't go to art go to maths they yeah realized early on that I was really creative and like I did a few music um lessons I would learn various instruments but I never had the patience to read the music I would always just play it by ear and that frustrated the music teachers which in turn frustrated me because I wanted to do it my way (laughs) (laughs) and always art supplies like I remember going to my friend's houses being like where is your art drawer (laughs) why is there not a drawer full of Things to make stuff with, and you know, eventually figured out. Well, that not everybody has that, and
0: that yeah. A, and massive. that's so, that's so good, isn't it, to be encouraged like that
1: from yeah, your parents. Totally. Yeah. and just yeah. to have that freedom, I'm really grateful to have. I mean, I, I I could have been guided to take school a bit more seriously in high school, but also, I don't regret having the freedom to kind of. Mm. Follow my own path, because it's what I've continued doing, maybe they just knew I was too stubborn to try and force yeah,
0: or well, they probably trusted that you would take that creativity and and you know take it somewhere, which yeah, you have, I, so you know very good,
1: know. and
0: uh, at high school, Cal, were you were you doing creative things and taking all the art subjects?
1: yeah, yeah, all the way through, yeah, I went straight into um I think I don't know if it was common, but we had art all the way from third form to seventh form, which is the whatever those five years of high school are called nowadays Mm. um and was always there and I was doing drama as well and music and trying to evade as many of the academic subjects as I could I I was good at them like I was good at maths and English but I was bored in those classes so by seventh form we were super lucky we got this new um art department a big new art building at my high school here in Gizzy and I more fortunate stuff I had uh, my form teacher was one of like three teachers that I got on with at the high school and she was super creative and flamboyant and chill and real sassy and she basically saw she was like she was also my English teacher by seventh form I was doing design photography painting um art history and English wow (laughs) those are my my five subjects and I just wouldn't go to English I remember her sitting down with me going Kelly look I know that you're either in the dance room or the art room just can you make sure that you do enough of the English work as well and then when you're not here, I know where you are. I was yeah, like, How good is that? Really
0: good. Yeah. And she was probably quite an inspiration to you, I imagine.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, mm. you know, when you're a teenager to get respect from an adult that kind of treats you like an adult, like it actually can mean quite a lot
0: mm. and
1: push you up to actually you know take yourself seriously and try yeah yeah
0: absolutely yeah and those kind of teachers just make such a difference to kids don't they
1: they really
0: do yeah and they can change the path that you take I mean there's a lot of power in in that connection with with a role model or someone who's you know believing in you and encouraging you and yeah inspiring you
1: it's so true I remember my drama teacher as well he um I wasn't a bad kid but I was like I had big opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> and I would often share those. Um, teachers don't always love that. But, um, so I sort of, you know, I was misunderstood a little bit, I think. And I remember the dra- my drama teacher, who was also a real great guy, he pulled me up after one day at the, end of the class. I was sweet in drama. But, and he said to me, Kelly, I've been looking at your SAT scores from intermediate and um you're good at school <laughs> what are you doing why are you not taking things seriously and I was like I don't know what the answer I gave him was but that was again one of those moments where he cared enough to, to look into it and I never forgot that it was like mm. oh thank you yeah. for acknowledging that I you know I actually do know what I'm up to but yes okay I'm not doing it the way that the system would like me to
0: yeah and this is what you're into and this is how you're expressing yourself at this time and yeah that's it yeah and it's not a bad thing eh? no no so um, when you left school what was your plan were you thinking you're going to be a full-time artist and do all this amazing stuff or
1: no I was going to be a fashion designer so those drawings from when I was a child of the dancers and their cool costumes. Um, so I finished high school in the year 2000, and back then, um, you know, the internet was still relatively fresh, and it's <laughs> gonna date things, eh? <laughs> and <laughs> there's definitely no Instagram, and it was a small town, and so there wasn't there wasn't so much of the encouragement that you could make a career out of being an artist or an illustrator. Like I barely knew what an illustrator was when I left high school. Um, but I knew what fashion design was. Um, and that was kind of in that, those glory days of like um, when New Zealand fashion was doing really well, we had uh, World and Zambisa mm. Karen Walker and Kate Sylvester and all them and Yes. And I was super into fashion and by that time like I I had this diary where I would um note down I would draw a picture of what I had worn because we got to wear mufti in seventh form I drew a picture of what I'd worn every day to make sure that I didn't repeat the same outfit <laughs> within a month how amazing I love that because I was sewing as well so it was easy to do like I would just, yeah like, I would make new stuff all the time and I know. <laughs> so okay. that's brilliant. Have you still got it? Ah, oh, I don't know. I probably do. That I would be that. great to pull it I've out. I've got a box of my old diaries that I sometimes wonder what would happen if I died and someone found them and I'd be devastated. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's so
1: funny. <laughs> so, so that uh, that was the
0: beginning, obviously, of your fashion career. So what happened? Where where did you go? and What did you do? Yeah.
1: So I went and studied. I went to um, the Polytech in Tauranga because, um, again, with the petulance, I didn't want to go to university because I knew that I would have to write essays and I would have to stay in school for longer. So (laughs) I opted for Polytech, um, which which I don't regret at all because it was a great fashion school there and it was all hands-on, really great tutors. It was a two-year diploma. So once I came out of that, um, I had gained a lot of practical skills, which I um, didn't have prior. And I launched a at the ripe old age of 21, I think, or 20, I launched um, a little fashion label where I was making like kind of lingerie and sleepwear and selling it at a local store here because I ended up moving back to Gizzy briefly after um after studying uh, and that went well <laughs> it's like doing um for like a few people around town and then also selling these these bits and pieces through the, through the lingerie, lingerie cool. store here in Gizzy
0: how amazing and what what kind of stuff were you creating
1: I'm um, like cute little, like little bralette things and, and underwear and, and little sleep shorts and slips all from like yummy silk and florals and stuff mm. awesome. Yeah, I was always going to work for myself. Yeah. <laughs> that was a known fact since I was a little kid. Um, yeah.
0: And did you have any sort of natural business sense, do you think, or did you kind of learn along the way?
1: Mm, I think I I think I do, yes. I I can't pinpoint what it is or how it is, but um, I've as much. I'm a creative, and I'm also quite practical. Um, so I think I don't know how that was nurtured or where it came from. Like my my dad was a business owner, um, so I had him as a role model. Um, but I think maybe it's just something that came kind of came naturally, like a little bit alpha, you know, like as an adult, when I end up in in groups like um, dance groups or anything, I will often take on a kind of leadership role, whether I like it or not, it happens
0: mm, yeah, you
1: know, quite organically. And there's some people that just like that, you know, and yeah. I'll just step into it because it's like, well, it needs to be done. So I'll do it. Yeah. So I think that kind of, attitude and um just I get I I feel like it's kind of a naivety but I don't know if I don't know if at the root of it it is naivety or if it's confidence blended with naivety Mm, yeah
0: yeah I was going to say that I mean you you believe in yourself obviously and and you're also just that I mean I can see you're just that kind of person who's pretty proactive and makes stuff happen yeah
1: just kind of just go and do it and hope for the best has Mm. been, has been my. um, Yeah.
0: And so what happened with that business and and where to from
1: there? Well, then I turned like 21, 22 and I discovered traveling. So (laughs) uh, that was out the door. I was like, "Mm, I don't want to do this. I want to be 20. And um, I kind of, I shut that down and I discovered traveling and, you know I started doing waitressing like any regular 20 something year old and was tired of all that responsibility so fashion kind of went out the window I at that point was like also it, it, it was bothering me how bearing in mind again this is the early 2000s there wasn't many examples of sustainable fashion and I was sort of looking at the industry going like this is this is ridiculous, this constant making of new clothes and new trends and that changing all the time and all of this fabric. And I just, I stopped believing in it. And, you know, nowadays there's people doing really awesome stuff. And had I seen that at the time, maybe I would have felt differently, but mm. what examples of it at that point.
0: No, which is amazing, isn't it? Just 20 years ago, it was quite a different
1: landscape. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, mm. fast fashion hadn't even fully kicked off at that point. I mean. I think you know we had glasses and just jeans and stuff, but it wasn't what it is now.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's different. (laughs) And so, um, with the the traveling, um, you know, were you starting to think that you wanted to get back into painting and illustration at that time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was living in Australia in my early twenties, and had started getting back into drawing and. I'm glad we're not videoing this because I'm just full sun in my face.
0: <laughs> Which I just keep thinking is so appropriate
1: being sunshine and all. I can't see a thing, but it feels good. <laughs> um, I discovered that illustration was a thing at that point. Um, so there was quite a few cool illustrators based in Aussie and I was starting to get exposed to them and there were these great books getting released about illustrators. And... Um, so I was dabbling in illustration. I I was thinking of it more so at that point of I will make work and then I will sell it rather than the, the kind of client-based route, which is the opposite of that, whereas you will come to me and hire me and then I will draw you something, you know. Mm. So I was producing a few little things. And then it wasn't until I went, I was um, in... Central America
0: um, somewhere in Central America
1: somewhere oh. in Central America <laughs> on a boat <laughs> in the Caribbean um, there was this American girl and she was about my age a couple years older and she was a graphic designer and she had a MacBook with her and she was working whilst traveling and that was that was like my Single most pivotal moment where, again, bearing in mind that the era, we didn't have Instagram. It was not normal to work remotely. Like, that was a huge thing for me. And I saw, I was like, that's genius. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. It's like, holy shit, I've loved, I've learned how much I love traveling all of a sudden. This has to be my life. And oh, yeah. I want to be an illustrator as well.
0: Yeah, brilliant combination.
1: So that kind of became the, um, the base of of what I was going to do with my life and is still the case now. and mm. um, I think I went I got back to Aussie um, and was still started trying to build that and then ended up moving to Wellington after coming back to New Zealand. and that's when I started taking it seriously and started making friends with musicians um and making like band posters for them and you know, New Zealand, because it's a beautiful little village, word of mouth works its magic quite quickly. And so I was then, you know, meeting um, people that were organising theatre shows and doing little bits of graphic design and earning peanuts, charging peanuts. That, it, that was my own fault because I was young. But mm. <laughs> just started building up a body of work and Creating these these things that I loved to make, and mm. so
0: it was at that point it was mostly posters. Um, using lettering again, that was that was obviously
1: appearing. Using the lettering, but at that point I still didn't know lettering was a thing. Mm. Um, so I was doing it and loving it, and I'd always, but I just counted it as part of the illustration, and it was just kind of supplementary, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was, it was graphic design and illustration at the start of my career. Um the murals came later, and I carried on with that and was still miraculously able to travel despite being very new and but you know could live off seven dollars a day, kind of thing, yeah and, <laughs> and get away with it in the good old days <laughs> in the right countries so. yeah um, and then kind of halfway along was when I realized that lettering was a thing it was just starting to become a well-known kind of outlet and it, this is probably eight years ago now I think mm. um, I was like oh that that those letters that I love drawing that's an actual niche of its own mm. full obsessive because really? once I realized that there was space for it in in the design world I was like oh my god well I'm good at this I'm going to do I'm just going yeah to go wild on
0: lettering yeah which is so great isn't it that you found your sort of niche in a way
1: totally yeah, yeah.
0: and yeah. you're um you're sort of I mean you're obviously quite drawn to flowers and and nature and other things with the lettering right. um did that come at the same time or did that kind of develop over time alongside
1: oh, that's been more recent and so the whole during this whole illustration journey I've never really drawn people I've never been pulled towards drawing people and a lot of people are like a lot of illustrators are pulled towards drawing human representations but it never really felt necessary for me like I've always um I've always felt like it's more important to give a voice to animals and plants Mm. Um, and that even since I was a child I've like been super big on animals Mm.
0: right back to the Canada project
1: yeah well exactly (laughs) um, yeah all these threads eh? so um half or probably even more than half of my illustration journey I was always drawing animals um and that eventually became really ocean-focused as well. So it was mostly sort of drawing life, like ocean life, because, yeah, you know, animals don't speak the language that we speak, and so they're often underrepresented and and disrespected. So for me it's always been super important to create that space for them to get into the limelight. Um, And it wasn't until more recently, and I I really think – that it was pandemic related once I had to stop traveling two and a half years ago and made a few decisions. Like I left Wellington a year ago and, you know, got this intense need to put plants in the ground. (laughs) Just, I just wanted to grow things. I wanted to grow my own veggies. I wanted to, and it's, it's now transpired into trees and flowers and God knows how far this is going to go, but Mm. I think that there was some sort of um, subconscious synchronicity that happened where I was no longer able to go to these exotic locations across oceans. That I was kind of grounded, like we were all grounded, obviously, um, and we had to just stay still. And uh, these plants, just all of these flowers, started happening.
0: Mm, amazing. And well, and you return to your to Guzman where you grew up. Yeah. 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 And- And why do you
1: think you went back there? I was always going to come back. Um, It was just a matter of when. Um, I love it here. Like It's definitely isolated, but that's got its pros and its cons. Um, Mm. I'd grown tired of the city and definitely tired of being cold. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's so many wonderful things there and my friends who I've sort of you know i've become an adult amongst in in that city and obviously the creative creep community and the gigs and the shows and all that stuff is amazing but it's still there and i can go there when i want yeah um but coming home again it was it was like well if i can't travel I may as well go home. That's, that's the next <laughs> <Basically>, best thing. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted a dog too, so to do that, I had to come here. Yeah, and that
0: <laughs> I, dog now is affecting how you travel. So now the
1: dog starts. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> another
0: another you full mean? circle.
1: Yeah, and I knew yeah. it to be the case, and I basically just had to shut down that part of my brain because I wanted a dog for so long. Mm,
0: and they they're such good companions, aren't they? They're just the, the best. Yes, best.
1: Yeah. And she makes me laugh every single day. Like nobody can make me laugh every day like she can. And that's that's so amazing. Good.
0: Yeah. And they don't talk back. So that's always that's always handy.
1: Well, mine talks back. <laughs> <laughs> no. She's
0: I'm not going down
1: there. She's honestly she's like <laughs> a dog representation of myself as a teenager, which is just karma, isn't it? Oh
0: my god, yeah, that's payback. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so um so Kelly you and um, I I love the list that you made on your Instagram mm. which I saw a few weeks ago so I'm just going to read this really cool list of all the things that you've managed to do and we were talking about it earlier that it's not always a Kiwi thing to kind of put it out there mm-hmm. but I think it's awesome that you did and it's inspiring for lots of people I'm sure so um if I read this list and then we can start talking about your your current practice So you say, hey, yo, I made a list. Every time someone asks me what specific types of work I do, my mind goes blank. The variety is so vast that my memory just short circuits from overwhelm. For too many years, I've been ending these convos saying, I really must sit down and make a list. And finally, I've done it. I've illustrated flags, tarot cards, journals, books, album covers, blackboards, T-shirts, tote bags, greeting cards, jigsaws, signage. Profile pics, beer labels, wine labels, kombucha labels, web graphics, tea towels, environmental solutions, weddings, promotion for tea, chocolate, olive oil, posters for theatre, gigs, festivals, birds, logos for seaweed, fashion labels, bands, yoga, pilates, deodorant, honey, adventure, tourism. I've painted on walls, a boat, a fiberglass elephant, and a fiberglass owl. Skateboards, windows, a paella pan, a giant fridge, a bus shelter I've created for clients using salt, paper, chocolate, glitter. I've worked with 250 plus clients. I've painted 48 murals and participated in 18 street art festivals across New Zealand, Australia, Mexico, Indonesia, and USVI. Mm. What's USVI again?
1: United States, Virgin Islands. Ah,
0: Virgin Islands, right. Yo! okay so that's a pretty impressive list oh my goodness yeah (laughs) it's incredible and you know you've obviously taken that illustration and graphic design and painting you know to a massive level over the last eight years so um how have you made that happen
1: how have I made that happen um by just keeping going (laughs) by connections all of this is built um, and I could never have um, pre-constructed the path that's led me to where I am. But, you know, when you look back, you can see each each little link along the way that's pushed you into each different direction, um, which I think is a, a really important thing. Like when you are looking into taking on a project or, or turning a little corner or going in any direction, like you don't know what it what's going to come from that and I think that's quite an important thing in life as well like you know just daily living life you you may be you may have something offered to you or be invited to something and you can be like well I'm not really sure if that's what I you know what I was expecting or what I want but when you go to that thing you don't know what's going to come from it. Like when you meet a person, you don't know what's going to come from that encounter and what's going to grow from it. And every time you add a new little dot, it's almost certainly got several other dots connected to it that you have the potential to shoot along and keep building this. Pick a path. like (laughs) You remember those pick a path? Yeah, yeah, totally. So often I have felt like that is how life works. It's just... Mm you know, choose a direction and see what happens. Mm. So yeah, like um I made that list because I'm super, super grateful for all of the things that I've been able to do. Like it meant a lot to me to actually read that back and go like that is really cool. Like it's validating and I'm proud of what I have done. And it's been possible because of a hundred different things and a thousand different people and opportunities and all of that works together to build the web of this continuing adventure. But mm. yeah, like I say, the lettering, I often felt like stuff is kind of a mis- not a mistake, um, like um accidental. Accidental, that's the one. <laughs> like just, just happens to be that way. And I once I discovered the lettering, um I went nuts on it and then got into sign painting, which I still do a little bit of and and murals, I I didn't. I remember um my studio mate Sean and Wally, he's a good friend. I would often watch him go go out to go and paint street art with all his cool street art mates. And I was like, oh yeah, that's nice. That's that thing you guys do. And just didn't really engage heaps until I started tagging along a little bit and and helping out on the aerosol. Um, and I was like, oh wait a minute, this is fun. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like I have to paint more walls oh wow but I, I've
0: always wondered how it must be you know for artists who start small small scale and then sort of go go big like that how was that transition
1: the best advice anyone ever gave me was another street art friend, and he said Kelly it's just the same you just do it bigger which sounds real basic but it's when you break it down it's like you just use bigger tools and you stand further back and then it's the same thing. <laughs> mm, <laughs> like, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And it actually takes me longer to paint a smaller painting than it does to paint a wall because you have to be so much more precious and you're so much more close to it. Yeah. Even yeah. though I'm quite precious when I'm like unnecessarily precious when I'm painting on a wall. That's
0: really interesting, isn't it? And so how uh, can you talk us through the process for creating a, a large-scale mural?
1: Yeah, so I do all of my pre-design work on the iPad. Um, I got I got sucked into the iPad zone about six years ago and I basically haven't turned back to the point where I've almost forgotten how to draw with a pencil and need to actually try harder to draw with a pencil again before I lose it completely. Are you using a pencil
0: on your computer or, or is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: the yeah. iPad has an Apple pencil, which is yep. a stylus. So technically the same thing yeah um you hold it the same i guess yes yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's really different it's a really different um just tiny details of of how it is different drawing on a screen compared to drawing on paper Mm. um yeah but i love working in that way because i'm super into color so if i start designing i can immediately have the colors in the artwork rather than having to imagine them on the paper mm, yeah true which I've also found is just super useful for client work because they are able to you know clients have a have varying degrees of um creative imagination and you could send something to someone as a, as a line work and they may not get it they might not be able to see that final vision despite how well you try and explain it whereas if you've got color in it From the get go, it's a lot easier for people to visualize that in Mm. this place on their wall. Also, you can mock it up on
0: the wall. And you can change you can change the colors really easily, can't you? Change the colours really. Yeah, that's
1: brilliant. (laughs) And I'm patient. I don't like things taking ages.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that's brilliant. It's such a good resource. And so um, once you've done the design,
1: what happens then? Yeah, so that's the starting process. I'm able to mock it up on the wall and see how it would look in real life and how it like I try and fit my work in with the environment. So I make the colors so that they actually sit well with where they're going to be. And obviously the design is relevant for whatever um, whatever the brief is, if it's client stuff or whatever I feel is right for the space. If it's non-client work, you know, like speaks about something that is relevant for that area and, or a message that is important for those mm-hmm. people in the area to hear. Um, and then it's mixing colours, which I really, really enjoy doing. So I've got so many paints at this stage just left over from jobs that I'm often able to, um, for personal stuff anyway, when I have full reign of the colour palette, I'll mix all my paints to get all these colours right and have those all ready to go. And then as far as getting work onto a wall, um Sometimes I'll project it if it's internal and if there's space, then I've got a projector that I take along with my computer and transfer the lines directly onto the wall that way. But it's often not possible um, if you can't step back far enough or sometimes if you're outdoors, it's just too much admin for the most part. So
0: um,
1: we all have a. Those of us that do this kind of work, we do what's, varying names but a squiggle grid which you might have heard of Mm. before where you basically go up to the wall and you draw hieroglyphics and scribbles and whatever you want all over the wall and then take a photo of that and then superimpose that over your i'm doing hand motions which is so useful on a podcast (laughs) superimpose (laughs) that over your design on the ipad and then you've essentially got a map
0: Oh the right.
1: The design's going to go. It's like yeah. the grids that we did in school where you would draw something. Yeah.
0: enlarge yeah.
1: something. But um, because it's scribbles, I think I think it's a human brain thing like we're not designed to work in grids despite how hard we keep trying to operate within grids. Um we're wiggly. So there's something that makes it easier to trace um the design up Based on squiggles and, mm. and shapes, rather than the square grid. The square grid, yeah. Kind of, um, oh, it's hard to explain, but it, it 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 it's faster. It's faster and and less confusing. Like it tweaks your brain less when you've got these really? organic shapes to trace the artwork over, rather than a perfect grid. Yeah, well, that's Every so
0: interesting. Time, like, no, I I'd, I'd never actually heard of that kind of grid. But yeah. that makes sense, and that's sort of more organic feel with the line, and then I guess that kind of fits with your work better as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, if you maybe if you're a super geometric artist, then probably an actual grid would be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when more you're mathematical, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and then how do you? Um, once you've got your lines up in the wall, you just apply the paint into the into the shapes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm. just blocking uh, it off. Sorry, dog's back with bone. <laughs> oh, outside, outside,
0: outside. My dog is finally asleep outside. in the bed, thank goodness. Outside. After alerting us to everybody who was passing for a moment.
1: I'm just going to shut my one out. Outside. <laughs> Good girl. Good girl. See you later. Bye.
0: Okay, we're coming back. Here she is, back in the <laughs> sunshine.
1: Oh, uh, and, so then good. and then the fun bit, then the paint, yeah. paint bit, which I yeah. love. I just love being on a wall. Um you don't have to do anything else when you're on a wall. There's you can't. <laughs> there's no like distractions. Well, there's obviously distractions. There's people coming past all the time, but it's just for someone that um is often doing too many things at once to just be like, here I am, and this is what I'm working on right now. I'm at this wall for eight to twelve hours a day, and I'm putting paint on it, and I'm listening to music or podcasts and talking to people. And that's that's the best thing. And mm. so I thoroughly enjoy the act of putting paint, huge brush strokes onto a wall and just dragging, dragging those long lines and and chipping away at it until it is done
0: Mm, i can imagine it would be such a satisfying process it is yeah and
1: do you use brushes
0: and aerosol combined
1: no i stopped using aerosol i did i used to use it um but i stopped about four years ago it's really fun and it's fast but it's really toxic yeah um and I mean, I have a lot of friends that still use it and I totally understand why And a lot of, a lot of them are starting to shift away from it, but just the waste and the chemicals, I would sort of come away from a couple of days working with aerosol and feel like I could feel it in my body. I could feel it in my, even with a mask, I could feel it in my lungs and I could feel it in my mental space. Like, it's a chemical, so if you ingest enough of that through your nasal passages, it's getting you high, so I would feel these come downs from yeah. using the aerosol i I mean, I think I've got a super susceptible body to anything like that. Um, mm. this isn't okay, like I can't be doing this to my body long term, so. I stopped and I remember the first mural that I did without the aerosol I was like oh yeah it'll take me like four days it'll be great and then at day five I was like oh my god I forgot how long brushes take yeah I was gonna ask that I imagine it <laughs> takes a lot longer it does but I don't know because I do brushes full-time now I I'm a lot faster than I was when I mm, yeah stopped using aerosol
0: and um, I mean are some of your mural projects obviously are sort of client has asked for something in particular for a particular space mm-hmm. and then um, other times like you were saying you get a space that you're allowed to paint on mm-hmm. um, and often when it's more your own your own gig that's when you like to sort of bring those messages that mean something to you through and so obviously lettering is such a great way to communicate yeah. um, but how how do you sort of present things that are important to you through your through your mural making?
1: Yeah, I always try and it's a fine line with typography between being cheesy or not. You know, I don't, I don't, I I always try and avoid inspirational quotes (laughs) because um, they are great. They have their place in the world, but um, I personally find them a bit tedious at times. So I try and, I try and create um messaging that can be interpreted in a few different ways like I really like to have something that's a little bit open a little bit quirky and often on the, on the surface of it means one thing but when you look at the context it becomes clear that it actually means something else yeah um, yeah just to cuz i don't um Type is so obvious, you know, like it's very easy to be very direct and I'm always kind of fighting that I don't want to be too obvious. And I think probably sometimes I've taken it too far because people are like, oh, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> 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 That's all right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't I don't want it. To, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a fight with the type. Like, I yeah,
0: I can imagine.
1: Through the yeah. last few years I've been like, actually, I don't even want to touch type. I really want to be able to express what I'm doing mm. really through illustration rather, through, rather than through lettering. Um, but I've come back around and now I think we're at a more peaceful place now me and the lettering where I'll bring it in when I need it and I won't when I don't. And
0: yeah,
1: mm. people don't expect me to do it 100% of the time, which is where I was trying to get to.
0: Yeah, which is good. You've got a little bit of um, leeway.
1: Yeah. And, and so like, your,
0: your work, Cal, is – it's so funky and cool. I just love it, and it's. I mean, you can you can definitely tell your work is, you know, when you see a piece of your work, you can tell it's it's Cal Sunshine's yeah. amazing artwork. So, how would you describe your style? And can you talk about the uh, the retro sort of vibe that goes on?
1: <laughs> yeah, the retro vibe. I've often said I was. I think I was born in the wrong decade. <laughs> <laughs> I have been into that vibe since I was. Uh, a young teenager, and I remember Mum saying, like, "Why do you like that stuff? Because obviously she'd lived through that decade. It's like it's just so good. It's the best. Well, those like clashing, seemingly clashing colors and bold, um bright floral prints and curvy lines, all that stuff. I love it. I've always mm. loved it. um and it's come through more and more in my work. Um, yeah, my style, it's it's super clean. It's something that I keep trying to fight as well, but it just is how it is. It's really tight and clean. And um, when I retire, I'm going to become an abstract painter just to create some contrast to that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Loosen uh, up. (laughs) Oh, just to shake it all out. Yeah, Um, you'll probably end up sort of a very um, well formed abstract artist as well. You know, it's probably in you.
1: Might be 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 hard to
0: change. Yeah
1: watch this space in in 20 to 30 years yeah um so yeah bright quite relatively bright colors really curvy shapes like I have an aversion to straight lines um how else will I describe my work
0: how would you describe the colors I mean obviously very bright but do you have sort of a favorite color palette or color combination
1: can't get enough of pink and green.
0: <laughs> I can see that in the poster behind you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, I hated pink and green when I was younger. Remember that um, there's that mascara that's got a pink bottle with a green lid? Yes,
0: like- I totally know what you mean.
1: Oh, and it used to bug me. I was like, why <laughs> would I pink and the green? And the last few years, I just can't get enough of it. Always warm tones, like. It's always sort of the oranges, um, that real, um, that yellowy, yellowy green, mossy colour. I love that. And it finds its way into almost everything these days. Pink, love pink, Um, warm yellows and teals and turquoises. And every now and then a quite bluey purple. Yeah, it's always, I don't really do, I don't do primary colours. I'm not big on them, and i don't mm. I don't like I mean I love it in other people's work, but for my work i I just always pull back from um super bold bold, dense, densely saturated colors, whereas yes, my work's really bright and, and warm toned and colorful, but it's never that full saturation, red or blue,
0: mm. It's very, very cool. And all the um, the smaller works are, are created in a similar way to your murals.
1: Yeah, still often designed digitally, um, and then I can sketch it onto a canvas or a skateboard or whatever it's on. I'm working on a skateboard at the minute, um, and smaller brushes. <laughs> Mm, so i often end up painting kind of differently like i'll go into more detail when i'm painting smaller Mm. when it's on a wall because walls don't always there's not often a need for hyper detail because it gets lost
0: yeah or blending as much maybe
1: Yeah, yeah yeah Something I constantly have to learn. I'm, I've had friends who have been doing murals longer than me come up to me and be like, "What are you doing? Why are you? Yeah. <laughs> why are you worrying about that tiny little area?" I'm like, "Oh god, you're right. <laughs> Step back." <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It's just a different perspective with that large work. Yeah. And what um, what's your what are your favorite sort of mediums for working on, or you know what what is your favorite out of, out of all these amazing things that you do? What is your happiest place?
1: My happiest place is is always murals for sure. Yeah. I love illustration. Like half of my work is illustration and that's done digitally. Um, which is really nice in winter, especially to be cozied up with the heater and the dog and, and drawing. And I'm I I mean it's a romantic idea to do murals full-time. And maybe if I was hyper famous and traveling only to warm locations. That'd be epic, and I wouldn't complain. Yeah, um, but it is a lot. It's hard on your body to be yeah. doing those walls full time. So I really enjoy having the mix of sitting down, doing the digital, and then physically doing the big um, walls. But murals are definitely my favourite space. Like mm. it's it's a whole it's a whole experience because I'm quite social. Um, I really like being out there um, in public and being able to engage with different people that I wouldn't otherwise, you know, random people don't show up at my studio, but when you're on the street, you're super vulnerable to whoever happens to be there. And it's like, it's not up to you who you're socializing with. It's just whoever comes past. And that's quite valuable, I think. Mm,
0: Yeah, that would be really cool.
1: In our own social settings, you choose who you're hanging out with, you yeah. choose who you go to, but when you're out there exposed, like, yeah, you get to and hear what people think about art and hear what they're seeing and, and get that direct feedback, um, be it complimentary or not. And obviously there's wild cards and you you deal with them as they come <laughs> i can imagine
0: when you're part way through the process they're like oh i'm not sure what you're doing here oh totally this
1: squiggle <laughs> grid drives people nuts like yeah because yeah you, it's basically just like a kid's drawing all over the wall and honestly like we often joke about it like people will come along and be like oh yeah it's interesting oh, that, that's cool <laughs> it's like <laughs> Oh, I know you're trying to be nice. This is not the mural. <laughs> yeah. not this this is the grid. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> That's really
0: funny. Ah. And your um, you know, your love of of being with other humans has led you obviously to quite a lot of collaborative projects and that kind of thing. And um so it'd be great to talk about the seawalls, which you've done in Mexico, Gisborne, and Napier
1: yeah
0: and uh yeah I was just reading looking at the videos on your website so amazing such incredible projects so um yeah can you tell us about that
1: ultimate happy place so seawalls I joined the seawalls family um for maybe four and a half years ago I think I was when I lived in wellies I would always come home to Gisborne every summer for as long as possible because addicted to sunshine um, and I was staying with another artist here doing a little um, artist residency and got this idea that I wanted to I was in a position to create something off scale for Gizzy in Gizzy that had environmental messaging and that was kind of my criteria so I want to create a big project I don't know what it is and I had seen the seawalls, the first year of seawalls in Napier. I'd driven through and seen all those murals, which was organised by my friend Sinza. Um, And so I wrote to Sinza and I said, hey, what do you reckon about doing seawalls in Gizzi? And he said, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we even had met at the time, but he's just like super enthusiastic driven guy. And he was like, yeah, sounds like a great idea. Mm. So he got in touch with the um organizers trey and akira who um run pangea seed which is the foundation that is behind sea Walls, they live in hawaii um and i didn't realize at the time but there was another napier activation happening that year so they were like yeah sounds great <laughs> this girl who's never organized a festival in her life um but obviously believed in me and wow
0: so you were, were actually you were taking on the the actual organization in gisborne
1: again kind of happened by accident I don't think I knew I was taking on the festival when I first approached <laughs> wow. um, invited me through to Napier for that second year and that was my first real festival experience and I was just like a kid in a candy store I was you know there was all these cool artists from all around the world and it's like school camp you know you're hanging Erica was there who you spoke to a few weeks back um mm. That was the first time her and I had met, actually, and we were just high on festival life, mm. surrounded by people that think like you from around yeah. the world who are into the same stuff as you, and you can just talk about that all day and have yeah. fun. yeah, amazing and paint all day.
0: And is the festival sort of a you know just like a, a massive bunch of of murals that have been created in one area kind of thing? Yeah,
1: that's the bones of a festival, but the difference with seawalls is that um, the artists are handpicked based on um, your priorities and interests and um, the sort of the co kaupapa of creating artwork which speaks for the environment. So Sea Walls is all about ocean conservation. So behind the festival, there is a bunch of workshops and like events and stuff that happen that are always um, trying to generate noise and information and share information, all science-backed about um, ocean conservation what's going on around the world specifically in coastal regions um and so that was what we were doing in Napier, outside of you know running around in the candy store but i got to meet those guys They were organizing it and they got to meet me and were like let's do it let's do another one of these in gizzy i can see how this works we can make this happen again with the you know i don't have project like Festival organization skills, but I'm practical and I'm able to piece things together and make, you know, work out how it works and make it happen. Mm, how so incredible. Later, we did it in Gizzy. We had, um, wow, I think we had 18 artists in the end. It was supposed to be 10, um, but just got a little bit carried away. Wow. Created 25. Um, works through Gizzy and an hour up the coast in Uawa as well we did four more up there with just a small crew of us um, and that was amazing and we mm. are still talking about it and asking for more to this day really I can um, imagine it changes a streetscape and it just yeah. people together like we brought all mm. these people out of the woodwork and I got to learn about people in my hometown who care about the same things that I care about And we had kids coming through, you know, like so many school groups are doing a walking tour and it's getting kids talking about why it's super important to look after the oceans, look after the shore, like be be aware of what they're doing. And they in turn go home and talk to their parents. Like,
0: yeah,
1: So it has this flow on effect.
0: Mm, Yeah. And it's so great to have that message communicated throughout. So, you know, the children and the adults uh, are learning about the, the conservation and, and preservation of, of the sea, but also, you know, engaging with art.
1: And it's accessible. There's yeah. no hierarchy. Like anybody can walk the streets, like I was saying before, and that's the super cool thing about street art. Like galleries are complicated. You Some people aren't, com- aren't um, comfortable in a gallery. Some galleries you have to pay to go inside, um, whereas when it's on the street, that is for absolutely anybody that is able to get out and see on the streets, if yeah. not photographed on the internet.
0: And so I'm just going back to to Gisborne and, and to all of those projects. I guess how how do they figure out the walls that are going to be used? You just kind of walk around the town and and find spots and and check out who owns them,
1: and go from there. Yeah, yeah. It's very much. It's a very um, hands-on process we you'd sort of very early on Cynza and i did a walk around um because he he helped guide me through a lot of it obviously because he's done it before we did a walk around the streets and identified a bunch of great walls and in a town like gizzy which had hardly been touched by street art there was a few but not a lot there was a lot of blank walls and so we just identified them all and then knocked on doors and would ask if we could to talk to or get the contact of the owner and where that didn't work, I would search council databases because um, we've got the database where you can look up the um, owner of any particular property. And because it's Gizzy, which is quite funny, half the time I could recognize a last name and go, oh, yeah, I know your niece so <laughs> <laughs> I'll come at you through that. <laughs> yeah, that's quite handy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how did the um, did the artists have to kind of present a brief to you or to the organisers before they sort of got underway with the project?
1: No, no, because, and that's often the way, I think it's almost always the way with festivals. Um, we handpick artists for seawalls. So people have a body of work already. There's an element of trust there. You know what somebody's capable of. Love what their style is and like we would show the building owners who's going to be working on their wall um and for the most part it's a really it's a really trust-based process to so, like this person because it's not it's not full commercial rates for the most part we're working on changing that with festivals but for the most part it's such an expensive thing to run that we do it partially out of love um I mean it's fully out of love but you know for that reason artists get full freedom to and and I mean that's that's the point it's like please come to this town and produce what you produce yeah you know, express yourself your in your
0: way yeah
1: yeah it's not it's not a client job like mm. that's the bonus.
0: yeah so that's, that's probably more joy for the artist I guess
1: absolutely because it's for us and it's it's a um, opportunity to like when you're painting it's an opportunity to do something that you've been wanting to do without any pressure from a brief, and actually mm. get that on, board. and that in turn leads to you then getting employed to do more of what you want to be doing. So it's this ping pong effect.
0: That's right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, are they? How often do these festivals come about? I see, well, used to be
1: a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they lately. Need- a couple a year, um, Pangea Seed, they've been focusing a lot more on doing art prints recently, and they've also really just released a beautiful book um, showcasing a, a lot of the um, pieces that have gone up over the last, I don't know how many years, It's probably 10 years at this point. Mm, wow. um,
0: yeah. Mm, what an I- incredible project. Oh, my gosh. I think about our sort of area northwest of Auckland. I would just love to. To create something like that out here, you know, that just brings yeah. more public art into this area.
1: Let's
0: do it. <laughs> Let's do it. We've done. I've done a few projects out here, a few murals, and you know, they're just everybody connects so strongly to them when they're in their own community, you know, and they sort of become yeah. it becomes part of their day to day life. Often, you know, and they really connect with it, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: It's their world. It's yeah. So Kelly, you've done a few other collaborations. Um, well, lots of collaborations, haven't you? But um, I was looking at the one with the Whitaker's chocolate, which looked amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah. How, did that, how did that come about? They approached me um towards the end of the year, um, about because they do this artist series where they'll, you know, say, basically, they say create art with chocolate. I was like, yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Love chocolate. Um and at the time I had just bought my van and decked it out and in, into a camper and was headed home to Gizzy for summer as per. Um, and so yeah, they wrote to me there and said, do you want to do this? I was that like, I do. Um, my proposition is that you come to Gisborne and film it. <laughs> That's where I'm going to be. Um, so
0: good. But I
1: got a cool new camper, and we can, you know, it's got a desk set up in it, and I can use it as a. It's designed to be used as a working studio, like a mobile studio space. Cool. Um, and they loved it, and so they flew out. and We hung out at the beach for the day, painting with chocolate. So in the beautiful good. sunshine, and made a oh my God. Instagram video about it. Yeah, yeah that was it- fun. I love jobs like that, obviously. So
0: great. <laughs> and um got to eat the chocolate at the end, I hope. You created a design and then they melted the chocolate and you painted with it with a paintbrush. Is that how it
1: worked? Yeah. I melted it. We had the little um gas cooker out, out there and um the um what is she the project management manager was there stirring it to make sure it, it stayed at the right temp because melting is wow. process turns out. Amazing able to make it paint worthy mm. i did get it at the end i've only just so that was that was probably two two years ago oh a year and a half ago now i've only just started being able to eat dark Ghana chocolate again because i got really sick of it really <laughs> from the practice runs <laughs> best product that i
0: had that would have been good though i guess that that dark the dark chocolate for the um for the lettering so you painted the actual um the lettering didn't you the words were painted in chocolate yeah i'll put that on your blog post it's very very cool and did they use that for an ad or like a ad on tv
1: nah it was on instagram and facebook it was it was just a little promotional series that they do engaging with kiwi creatives and seeing what you can make with chocolate so
0: good it's a great concept it would have been good on tv too i reckon mind you probably nobody watches tv
1: anymore well exactly
0: (laughs) It's like an old-fashioned thing. It's so funny. And um, were there any other projects that you'd like to talk about, Kelly, that you've done that have really lit your fire? Oof, that's a big question. (laughs) You've done so many, haven't you? It's hard to choose.
1: There's been so many.
0: How did you find the animal, the um, painting the elephant or painting the owl kind of concept? Oh, those
1: are fun they were both quite a while ago now the the elephant was like my first exciting overseas um project because it was in melbourne so they, mm. they took me over to melbourne to do that um and that was cool i really enjoy painting on things that aren't flat like shapes you know created creatures like that and it's a it's always something that I'm sort of pers- seeking in the background. Don't necessarily get to do as often as I'd like to, but I just love it when, you know, like the chocolate. And I did another one for um, Garage Project with salt uh, a wee while ago. Now that was, that was really fun, especially when the, um, <laughs> we, so I created this hand lettering with salt on a, on a paper surface for a pop-up bar that Garage Project were doing. And, um, it takes several hours to do because you're like pouring salt into the shapes of letters and then kind of with a paintbrush, sculpting it into the perfect shapes. Yeah. And we did, we'd done um, was doing it in a recording studio and I, you know, spend the hours making it. And then the whole point was to capture a video of it getting blown away with the air compressor. And it was all ready to go, and we got the air compressor out, and the videographer was all set up and ready. And um, as I, as we, he sort of swept the air compressor across, and it all blew away. I looked at his face just as he was finishing; I could just see it drop. <laughs> like, what's happened? That like, I forgot to turn the autofocus off on the camera. Uh, no. <laughs> So the camera is going in and out of focus and uh,
0: blurry. Oh so. uh, no! So you had to put it all back into the
1: letters. Oh, see you tomorrow. Oh no! <laughs> he was devastated. He was so. <laughs> I, uh. I mean, I kind of thought it was funny because shit happened. It's yeah too late it's
0: happened um, oh no but there must be lots of sort of lots of times like that with these kind of projects that sort of you know relying on weather or um all sorts of sort of outside yeah. factors yeah. that are sometimes out of your control also human factors you know yeah,
1: it's yeah totally i think for us to, be, to have that control taken away every now and then i you know, just like yeah it's good it's good um character building yeah, like, exactly. Well, that's happened. It's like it. art. like you have to just let it go. So like, if that gets tagged or if the building gets busted down, which happens, like, well, yeah. It's yeah.
0: gone now. Yeah. And that's changed. just the way it is. It's the nature of of those kind of that kind of art form, I guess. It's yeah. not always there forever. Yeah. 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 So, um what advice, yeah. Kelly, would you have to people who are, you know, really interested in the kind of work that you do, especially the mural you know public project type work what advice would you have for people wanting to get into that
1: yeah it's a it's a i often find that question interesting because the the route that i took is i think it i feel like it's easier these days because of social media and i might be wrong because i think there's two sides to that coin like you have more availability to be seen but It's also a very, very saturated world, so maybe it's harder to get seen, I don't know, but make the work that you want to make is, I think, really good advice. Um, If you want to be doing murals, paint murals, find a way to paint murals so that you have got examples that you can do a mural, you know, do it for free, do it on a board, find somebody that's got a wall that they're happy for you to paint, but the more people see you doing the thing that you want to do, the more likelihood that you're going to get employed to do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. Um, And the other piece of advice, which I always find very important to pass on is never undersell yourself. uh, Which is something I was told when I was quite young by another artist. And he said to me, every time you undercharge, you are underselling the whole industry. And I was like, "Oof." responsibility yeah <laughs> it down the whole art community <laughs> and it's hard. Yep. hard it'll always be hard um but you just have to you just have to do it like a lot's changed in these years art art as a career is taken a lot more seriously than it was when I was younger you know it's it's not, it's become more normal, so it's become more accepted yeah um, it really has that's it? just where we're at with it. Don't try to be someone else when you're when you're starting out or when you want to follow a creative career and stick at it. Like right? the people that get far and I I think about this often. I think I mean it, it is some people are naturally inclined to have that naive confidence that I'm fortunate to have. Like I know that I'm lucky to have that and it's you know it continues to push me forward not everyone has that like we're humans everyone has different internal skill sets and so for some you have to push a lot harder to 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 keep going forward and like you know maybe get people behind you that can keep encouraging you and set up systems and whatever it takes to ensure that you're always striving towards the next step even if you don't know what the step beyond that is but to make work and get work out there and get employed and yeah
0: yeah it makes sense it does it's really good advice and you know it's I mean you're you're an amazing role model for people coming through because you you've made such a great career out of what you do and what you love and um, you know the way that people contact you and the opportunities that you've had are obviously you know to do with your talent but also the person you are and um, and you've just got out there and made it happen which is amazing so um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today it's been lovely meeting you and the whole time we've been talking you've been saturated in sunshine which as I said is very appropriate (laughs) and uh, (laughs) it's been lovely to hear about your journey and I think you know the stuff that you have to say and and um, and your advice will be really useful for lots of people. So thank you very much, Kelly. Lovely to meet you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a total pleasure. I love doing this.